0: Hi, everyone. I'm Mike Novogratz, and this is Next with Nova. I was a helicopter pilot in the Army. Uh, I went to Princeton. I'm wearing a Princeton t-shirt. I was a wrestler. And then I became a finance guy, first at Goldman Sachs, learning about the markets, then at a company called Fortress. Uh, and now I run a big cryptocurrency uh, investment bank, among other things. Wow. So you just like
1: came out the canal a boss you've done so much dude like that's that's
0: crazy i didn't even know that you were in the army first of all how was that the army was really interesting in that you know i went from northern virginia to alabama uh we called it ucla the ugly corner of lower alabama and it was right after the movie top gun came out and tom cruise you know tom cruise
1: my favorite i'm uh, sorry to interrupt you but my favorite part of that movie is when the, the the master sergeant or whatever. He's like, you're writing checks. Your body can't cash. Yeah. I love that. Anyway, sorry. Please continue.
0: We knew every line from that movie because we're down 700 guys at flight school playing Tom Cruise. And so if you weren't scared to fly helicopters, which I wasn't, it was a ton of fun. Um, the academics weren't that difficult because I'd been through Princeton, which is actually hard. And so for me, flight school was fun. It was mostly a cultural thing, living in the South, seeing racism, you know, in my face like there was subtle racism in the north but you didn't notice it as a as a middle class white guy uh yeah (laughs) now i look back and said okay there was racism but i didn't notice it but in the south in the south you couldn't miss it yeah and so it was a real intro it was like going back 25 30 years uh in the 1980s it felt like the 1950s the crazy part is if you go back there now it still feels like the
1: 1950s wow that's crazy (laughs) yeah there's just some some parts of this world, man, that have kind of never changed since the beginning of time. You know, when it comes to classism and elitism, elitism and racism, and it's kind of sad. But on a lighter note, um, I'm actually really curious. So I know um, that you were—I mean, you had been a businessman and you were killing—you know, killing the game—and then in like the financial crisis of 2008, I believe, you know, everyone took a hit. So after after that. I'm just curious. What is it that got you into crypto? How could you see the vision, and then you know build what build back whatever may have been lost during that uh, like recession?
0: Yeah, a, a little bit's luck. Uh, always, like life is a lot about luck, being in the right seat at the right time. Yeah, somebody yeah. called. Somebody called me up and asked me to look into Bitcoin. And the type of investing I did is called macroeconomic investing, and it's trying to see the trends in the world. It's taking the politics, the economics putting it together and, 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 and it's a lot of pattern recognition It's seeing what's going to happen. And so when I started reading about Bitcoin, I was like, wow, we had a crisis in 2008 and then one in 2012 in Europe, you know, the mm. kind of replay yeah. of the financial crisis where people really lost faith in the government, lost faith in banks. were really scared that the biggest banks in America and Europe were going out of business. Wow. People thought JP Morgan might go out of business. And what does that mean? And so that panic, uh, Bitcoin was created really as a as a response to that. And so I was like, wow, cool new technology. Uh, there's lots of people that think there's going to be hyperinflation because the Fed is printing money. There are these cypherpunks that say, yeah, screw the world, we're going to kind of do our own thing. There are libertarians that you know, believe in freedom. And the Chinese were buying it. Whenever the Chinese buy, like it's it's worth buying. And so I bought it really kind of as a speculative thing. I'm just going to buy it because I think it's going to go up. And it wasn't until a couple years later where I really realized that at its core, it's a goddamn revolution. Wow. Uh, a, bu- a buddy of mine, Joe Lubin, runs a company called Consensus. I went into his office and I saw these young and old people planning on how they're going to rebuild in a fair more egalitarian way the financial architecture of the country how they're going to revolutionize the music business how they're going to revolutionize art business they were talking about nfts back in 2014. that's insane yeah how how you know in every banking exchanges you know how we're going to cut out the rent takers and it's generational Right. If you think about my generation, actually, the guys <laughs> older than me, the baby boomers, they have polluted the goddamn planet. <laughs> you know, there's plastic rivers. Right. We got global warming and they've run up so much debt uh, that you'll never be able to pay it back. So we have these giant deficits. And I think Gen Z and millennials were like, screw that. Yeah. Uh, th- this is our thing because we're never going to be able to pay all that debt back. And so it really was a young person's revolution. Uh, at at its core, people saying we want to make the world more fair and more more transparent. Now, a lot of, lot of crypto bros and Lambos and Yolos and, you know, a lot of fraud are around that. <clears throat> yeah. But at its core, the people that are building it really are righteous son of a bitches.
1: So I have a question. When you talk about pattern recognition, right, which is like a real thing. I mean, that's almost like like ai finance you know I mean? <laughs> to be able to like to do that um how do you feel about somebody like well i mean not necessarily personally but uh elon being able to manipulate that and kind of change the pattern here and there with a tweet i mean do you think that's a real thing yeah. i'm not trying to start a beef right now i'm just curious
0: no yeah. no listen again you know, on the one hand i'm a big investor in spacex i like elon's the entrepreneur of the generation right he's yeah, the, yeah. Of the moment um And he's smart and thoughtful. There's an immaturity in him that I think is just not helpful for the crypto world, right? Mm -hmm. Like he likes the attention. He likes the, you know, talking about come rocket or, you know, it's come on, guys. You you run four of the best companies in the world. What are you doing? Uh, And I I don't think it's helpful um, if it's Dogecoin. Listen, what crypto taught me in a really interesting way is. Value is always created by a community of people around something. So think about Picasso paintings. How many people in the world are you think can afford a Picasso? Not that many. So there's yeah. a small community of people that decide Picasso is worth 13 million a painting or 20 million a painting. Bitcoin was the first ever digital version where we created magic internet money. So this community came together around this idea. Now there are 150 million people that own a Bitcoin, right? Well, it also taught people that we can create these communities around other things, right? Dogecoin, there's a purpose to it, right? It's bros. It's speculative. It's nihilistic. It's, you know, screw the system. Let's be funny. It's beams. So that's a community. Uh, is it in the long run sustainable? I don't know what I've, what I've been surprised at is how resilient these communities are, but their communities, you probably have a giant fan community and like, you know, pretty soon people are going to issue fan tokens and those tokens are going to be brought into your universe. And maybe you'll, if they own enough tokens, they'll get a meet and greet or they'll get access early access to your next, you know, uh album after you come out of retirement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah man no I love it and I love I love your mentality on it. You know what I also really love and appreciate about you is like sure I know about crypto but I'm not a genius. I just kind of trust the people around me to do my best to to make the right decisions but I love that the way you're explaining this is in such a uh it's just a beautiful way. It's like I don't you hate like a professor or, you know, somebody who's really great at something and they're almost talking down to people like who don't get it or somebody raises their hand to ask a question and they're treated like they're stupid. The way you are describing, uh, finance and, you know, specifically cryptocurrency is really beautiful, man, because you can see the passion that you have. And it's also just amazing that you just want to educate people. Um, which is why I was happy to do this. And, you know, uh, kind of open the doors to to my fans who who are watching um, so that they may learn uh, and be excited about it as well. I do have a question. Um, What is it like that you think? Oh, okay. It's kind of crazy to some people that you could take something that's made of ones and zeros, binary, and then it could be worth so much money. And like you said, right, with the Picasso thing, like – we kind of dictate that, but who the hell is "we"? Like, yeah, so really, who is "we"? Like, how does that work?
0: That's the beauty of uh, what's happened. So, think about back in the way old days with gold. Like gold, if you're the ancient Egyptians or the Aztecs down in South America, the because they thought gold was blessed by the gods.
1: <laughs> and they
0: said, they said this magic metal is going to be value. I'm going to trade it for a back massage or for you building my house and it's going to become this store of value. And so it's, it's a social contract, a social construct. So Bitcoin itself, the technology, the one thing to remember about the technology, which was cool, is it was the first digital signature you couldn't counterfeit. Like mm. all that craziness of reading the white paper. And that's what I boiled it down to. And so that meant, we could have digital money because it could be scarce. If I said they're 21 million, they're only 21 million because you can't counterfeit it, right? And so that was a profound concept, but it would have been worth nothing if a group of people didn't start saying, hey, there's value in that. And so value of Bitcoin isn't the Bitcoin code. It's this social construct. It's valuable because we say it's valuable. That's crazy Uh, though. It's crazy. And so there's enough people, there's somebody in every village of the world telling the Bitcoin story, right? It's in every single village of the world. I I have people come up to me in the street and say, dude, are you the CEO of Bitcoin? (laughs) And I was like, I wish, but no. I know, that's
1: kind of awesome. I mean, you kind of are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But there, you know, there's so many people, you know, I get run over by a car and there's Michael Saylor and there's lots of people telling the story and and bringing people into the tent. And so, you know, if you were using harsh language, you say, well, it sounds like a Ponzi. But everything that's valuable is some form of a Ponzi. It's valuable because we bring more people in to buy it. Wow. Uh, and, and we convince people that there's some value in it. it. It wouldn't be so valuable if our governments weren't screwing off so much and just printing the money like it's toilet paper, right? And they're have been yeah, that is kind of, kind of, of
1: scary that, that it's like, oh, yeah, we're just going to print like $5 trillion. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> so that's the kind of thing. That's the thing that I do kind of like about- or no, that I love about uh, Bitcoin is, I mean, that's kind of it. And speaking on that, and I'm sorry, I hope I didn't interrupt you. I just have this this uh, question I've been wanting to ask and I don't want to forget it and look like an idiot. Um, can you explain mining Bitcoin to, to people who might not understand that? How is it a thing? What is it? Is it still a thing? Can you like, explain that to people who have no idea?
0: Yeah, sure. So the way... Bitcoin lives on a thing called a blockchain, right? A blockchain is a database. So think of it like it's a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> but it's a spreadsheet that you've got a copy of, that I've got a copy of, and then everyone that runs a Bitcoin node has a copy of. And so in the old days, let's say we're playing poker, me and you, and you're you're keeping the tally, then you like erase it and come back and like, dude, you owe me 72 bucks. And I'm like, I, I thought you owed me money. Yeah. Like, it, says it, it says it right here on the uh, on the spreadsheet. And I'm like, I guess so. Right. Like so if 10,000 people have that spreadsheet, you can't cheat. Right. Mm. It's it's there for good. And so imagine a spreadsheet that's shared by 10,000 different people, 10,000 different nodes or 40,000 different nodes that every 10 minutes, boom, gets a new level, a layer put on top of it. A new a new block, they call Uh, these blocks basically are the history of all the transactions that get done. 10 minutes more, another block gets put on. And so if anyone wanted to try to change the fact that I wired you $50, there's way too much data on top of it to ever get to that, right? And so how does that whole system work? It works by a series of miners. These are big giant computers or little computers that are processing these mathematical equations that aren't complicated, but take a lot of computing power to randomly get Bitcoins and it's this mining apparatus that secures the Bitcoin database, right? The blockchain is a database. And so what's cool about it is let's say I bought a house from you and let's say that that was put on the Bitcoin database and then, you know, someone takes over our country and you steal my house and, years later, my grandkids like, that's actually our house. It says it right there in the the database. You can't erase it. Yeah. And, and, and that, and this had people say, well, that's a shitty story. Listen, in, in Libya, when Qaddafi took over Libya, he took all the property deeds and he went into the town square and he burned them in a big flame. He said, it's all mine.
1: Wow. And
0: all the people that had these houses didn't have any right to the house. There was no record that it was their house. And so, this idea of permanence on a blockchain is really, really important. And so the miners actually secure the blockchain. Now, it's it's profitable because if you're mining and you get a Bitcoin, it might only cost you $8,000 or $9,000 to mine a Bitcoin. The Bitcoin are worth 40000 right
1: now. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so people set up mining all, all over. We have a big mining operation. Uh, wow. Now, like any other commodity, at one point, when everyone tries to do it, it gets harder and harder to to find the coins no of course then, just yeah. just They're like when pretty, everyone's
1: like hey bitcoin's a thing and everybody wants to buy it then it obviously goes up so you can't get it at what it was and blah 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 so i'm I'm curious when so literally every bitcoin transaction ever is on a database somewhere in the ethos
0: every single one and it's even, even the guys
1: that- who, who like might have like bought guns with it i'm just kidding
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. Matter of fact, the, the FBI is realizing, they used to say, oh my God, Bitcoin is so bad because the criminals can use it. Now they're saying Bitcoin is so good because we can track all these transactions.
1: Yeah. It's paperless so- too. That's the thing. It's not like two guys can meet up in a, in a, in a warehouse somewhere, even though I would say, yeah, I mean, they, they would do the, the, their best not to live, not to leave a uh, binary paper trail, if you will. Um, yeah. But I, I agree with you. I mean, that's a really great I never really thought about it that way. That's crazy. Yeah, Matt,
0: one of the one of the, the uh the agents was telling us, he said, it's almost like I'm flying a plane with perfect vision and I see two guys passing bills back and forth in a dark alley. Like we wow. have perfect vision on it. Like the and there are these companies, companies like Chainalysis, uh Cypher Trace that actually do all this work for the government. And so, you know you're going to see less and less criminals use Bitcoin because they get caught.
1: (laughs) Where do you see, um, I mean, this is like the stupidest question because nobody can, but where do you see the market? Where do you see, you know, crypto being in five years, let alone, I know six months. Right. But in the grand vision of it, I mean, is it, do you walk into Macy's and they're taking, you know, Bitcoin? Like, what do you, how do you feel?
0: So, when I, when I think about crypto it's a big ecosystem it goes from bitcoin on the one hand to what we call defi decentralized finance how we're going to how banks are going to get replaced by these peer to peer systems and to nfts right yeah and to payment coins so i don't think we're going to start buying you know logic dvds people don't buy dvds anymore unfortunately <laughs> uh our Throwback. Logic- our t-shirts or McDonald's hamburgers with Bitcoin. We're going to do them with the dollar, but we're going to do them with a digital dollar and not like a Venmo dollar, like a crypto dollar. So they're going to be called central bank issued digital currencies or stable coins. Those things are going to run on blockchains. China's producing one, the US producing one. And so in three to four years, you're going to, instead of having a bank account, you're going to have a wallet, right? You're going to have a crypto wallet and you're Tickets to the concert are going to be on it. Your Bitcoin is going to be on it. Your dollars are going to be on it. Uh, and you're going to flip it to people uh, when you walk into so place. you, So
1: you think there will come a time when there will be no more paper money?
0: Yep. Yeah, we'll go to where 90% of transactions are happening in this digital world.
1: How uh, how, how advanced do you think security would be? uh regarding because if if so if if banks are damn near obsolete right and you don't really need to walk in to go anywhere do any whatever the case may be what about hackers what about people being able to access a wallet that could have 15 million dollars in it you know what i mean like that's a scary thought
0: yeah so we're we're in the the custody business i think for mom and dad retail people right the normal person they're going to carry a lot of their wealth on their phone uh it'll be backed up they won't have it all on right. You'll have the stuff you're going to normal. Oh,
1: just like there. an account. Exactly.
0: Like, like an account and the rest will be in what's called custody or cold storage. So it's off the internet and it sits, you know, where we can then access it and pull it back up. But there's going to be all kinds of advances in biometric security. How do you make sure it's your, your stuff? Uh, yeah. and you know, banks get hacked, insurance companies get hacked, uh, Bitcoin's impossible to hack. The organizations that move Bitcoin around can get hacked, right? So you've read in the past that these exchanges got hacked. Bitcoin, the code itself, is really unhackable. And so as long as security is put in place to make sure all of your coins aren't in one place at one time, all of your wealth isn't, um, people are starting to feel pretty safe.
1: No, I get that. What are your thoughts on Ethereum? Ethereum.
0: I love Ethereum. Um, listen, I think Bitcoin has really won this idea of being digital gold. Ethereum wants to be web 3.0, another giant database, but it's a database not only that we can put stuff on but we can program on. And so we can have contracts, smart contracts on it, we can have you name it, you can you can co- you can code on top of the database. That Allows an amazing uh, array of things to happen, right? All of a sudden, you have smart money. Uh, I'm sending instant settlement to things. Usually, you, you know, you want to wire me money. It takes you three days, right? If I'm yeah. living in the UK, or if I'm going to pay for a contract, uh, even in the Federal Reserve system, it takes a long time. Uh, and so, this is going to allow kind of instant settlement of things. You're going to build the NFT world is going to happen on top of Ethereum. And so, you know, let's let's assume you do a great painting. Logic goes from music to painting and he does this cool NFT and you sell it for $10,000 or, you know, you sell it for one Bitcoin, $40,000. You could program into that NFT that every time it gets sold for more, you get 10 percent of that difference or 10% of the difference goes to your favorite charity.
1: Wait like, a second. Wait, 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 what? Yeah. Uh, wait, what bro? So you're basically telling me that that's like going to Vegas and betting a dollar on black. And then every time that chip goes anywhere in the casino what, what? and makes money, what? I make a dollar.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Well, think about this. Let's assume you're a young I got this friend, Chase Hall, right? He's this young black artist. He's badass, and he's starting to blow up. Wow. And so his paintings were five to $10,000 a year ago. And dealers will come in and say, I know, cause I have a good eye. That guy is going to be somebody one day. He already knows he's going to be somebody buddy. So they're going to buy eight of his paintings for $5,000 each, 10 years from now those paintings are worth a million bucks. The current system, that fat cat dealer, gets to sell them for a million dollars each. And Chase is kind of w- left with the $5,000 per painting he got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how about, yeah, I'll sell you the painting for five grand. Each time it sells in the future, if it goes from five grand to 50 grand on that 45 grand difference, I get 15%. So I get-
1: it's a, but it's a real percentage. So, so basically if it was sold for say a hundred grand right
0: now, he fifty. if it was 15%, he'd get us 15,000. And but, and but it's, is
1: but the person who bought it and then sold it is that 15% automatically deducted and and taken to him and then they're left with the remainder? Yeah. That's how it works. Wow. That is well, so awesome.
0: We, and so, and that, but you could pro, it might be 3%, it might be 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: it's whatever you it, want. Yeah.
0: and you program it in. It might Now go you in. would
1: would you need to I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Would you need yeah. to make is that kind of a part of the deal that you would you would w- while selling it you would say oh mandatory fifteen percent of all my painting paintings are taken out
0: or blah blah blah? It's so it's 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 in the contract when you start. Mm. So a lot of the NFTs that are being done are are have things like that. You know NBA Topshop every time one of those cards trades, a, a dividend goes to the NBA, right? Wow. And so. Yeah the more trading the better for the, the 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 customer it and so why does that stuff happen because this group of people that were building this system said hey musicians artists creative often got screwed right they weren't caring as much as they should have about their deals they got I'm more. still getting screwed so I, guess. <laughs> I mean listen what, what what how did how did your business work right young guy starts blowing up on tiktok record label finds him and says dude we're going to we're going to make you a star. Here's $200,000. We own 80% of your freaking next four albums.
1: And they are already <laughs> a star. And yeah. it's just like if they had the knowledge or the people around them, they could have done it all independently anyway. It's kind of crazy.
0: And so that's going to happen. There's 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 projects coming out where you're going to start instead of raising that $200,000 from, you know, the from Republic Records, you're going to crowdsource it through a token from the fans that you already have, right? Yeah. These they're, Republic's only showing up there because the kid's already got, he's blowing up on TikTok. You're going to send out to TikTok, hey, you guys want to buy 10% of the next Logic? They're going to buy 10% of the next Logic. And when Logic blows up, those kids are going to do well. They're going to make money. Now, how about yeah, this? That's, that's now, amazing. Now, now you've got fans... That are, that are also equity owners. So what are they gonna do? They're gonna call every one of their goddamn friends and say, dude, you got to check out Logic, he is blowing up, right? And so you're create, using this token to create this viral marketing organization. They do that already. Imagine how much they'll do it when they're incented to do it when they're paid. Yeah, wow. Because they, they're your equity shareholders. So your fans are gonna become your equity shareholders. That's, that's where this whole thing is going, in the music world, in the art world, and so when people think, oh, they understand NFTs, they don't know shit yet. Like the the NFT market, we haven't had the, the national anthem, let alone the first pitch or the first inning of the baseball game. It's just getting started.
1: Um, do you drink alcohol?
0: Too much, but I've stopped. I'm I'm on this. Is my third day, I'm not drinking. I decide I'm not drinking for a week.
1: Wow. Well, I've drank every day for like two months. I love scotch. And I, what, what's your drink of choice? What do you like?
0: Well. I drink a lot of Jack Daniels.
1: Oh, Jack Daniels, that's dope. Anyway, <laughs> I bring this up because I, oh, really, I want to get you—I want to get you wasted and have the best conversation with you and steal all <laughs> your secrets one day. Uh, but what I really mean by that is, I would love to—I'd uh, love to, to, to talk to you uh, sometime. I know you're a very busy man, but whether it's on the phone or a Zoom call, just me and you, man. I'd love to pick your brain because you know when I when I talk to you and when I hear you speak it it makes me think about how um, things are changing. And like you say, like when you're talking about the scratching the surface, like I really believe that. And I believe that I could learn a lot from you. And I believe that I have learned a lot from you today and and, and our viewers have as well. And um, I don't know, man, I just like really want to learn more from you personally. I hope that's not weird.
0: Not at all. I mean, you know, listen, we'll bring you up to the, uh, I got a house in Amagansett. I love music.
1: <laughs> Let me ask you a question, actually, because I know, I know, you know, we're only we're, we're doing like thirty minutes or whatever. But I just, I'm curious. So when you got your kind of money, <laughs> right? Would you say that the things you enjoy doing for fun change, or do you find yourself still amused and enjoying things you did when you didn't have this much money?
0: You know, I don't think I have more fun rich than I did poor uh, I was never real poor but I was a middle- class kid from Virginia I was in the army I had a ton of fun as a helicopter pilot and for me it's friends it's music it's sports it's friends less and less sports uh, as I get older but it's it's parties I I spend a ton of time money and effort throwing big parties um, it's getting you know I'm a, I'm a hyper social person mm. um, what I've learned though the funnest part about being rich is giving your money away and every time i've given my money away if it's supporting youth wrestling or jazz musicians or criminal justice reform it comes back in spades like I, the coolest shit i've done in my life i walked in the opening ceremonies of the olympics with kobe bryant i was waving like this dressed as a you know a us olympian because i was literally a charitable donor to building youth wrestling up and the guys asked me if i'd be the you know the team leader like the honorary coach what and a I was moment like, oh, yes
1: Yeah, that's incredible. No, but I agree, man. Like I ain't got money like you got money, but I got money. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I've, I've, I really have given a lot of it back and I, and, and I've helped, uh, people personally in my life and people I've never even met. And, um, yeah, man, I, I think, I think that giving, giving is the most important thing. It really is. And when I was young, uh, you know, I was, I was super poor and I mean like nothing, like I didn't have anything. And, I was kind of selfish like as a as a teenager I was the the kind of guy that was like oh if there's two cookies left like I'm taking both the cookies like because I didn't have anything and then I realized that not just money right even before I got like you know came into money and working hard if I just gave things if I just gave my time if I gave if I was like no you take the cookie like you got it I just noticed that things kind of came back to me, which is really crazy. And I think this is like a really great way to kind of end this, this hangout with, it's like, it's not about the money. Um, even though it's nice, um, it's about the time. It's about the people around us. It's about friends and family and opportunity because time is one thing we can't buy and we're blessed enough to have had the time that we have and, and hopefully we'll continue to have more. So I just want to say thank you so much for, uh, for just being a nice guy, man, being a fucking cool dude. You know, you're not all some tight ass guy taking himself too seriously. You're cool, man. You got you got the, you get the rat
0: pass, bro. I love the Rat Pass. Thanks so much, Logic. I love what you're doing. All
1: right. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Be well. Peace out.